Jackie. Hey, Rosie. Welcome to Am I an Asshole? <laughs> How long the, are we going to uh, milk yeah, that? The, the whole whistle thing. Uh, probably a long time until until I don't, until I stop giggling every time you do it. Okay. Yeah. Just um, let me know when it gets old. Nope. Never. Um, hi. So, uh, Jackie, I have a question for you. Yeah? <laughs> did you or did you not forget that all of this equipment was in uh, your car, which Nick, too, took to a movie today oh oops well yeah i mm-hmm. mean uh long story short i fucked everything up <laughs> this morning <laughs> um i b- forgot that equipment was in my car that little stevie passed to me during mm-hmm. a work day and then when john was on his way here i was like oh he just needs a few minutes to set up the equipment that's in my car mm-hmm. which nick took to a movie yeah and then so we all hopped in the car and we uh got went into the uh parking arrangement what is it garage. called garage garage yeah. <laughs> the great right. parking arrangement um and i had to drive yeah. around and jackie was uh, hitting the alarm button yeah the like little emergency little... alarm thing mm-hmm. and we found it we did we and, sure did yeah and because because john our producer was a peach and mm-hmm. was like you know is is nick a parking garage kind of guy mm-hmm. or street parking and i was able to locate the car and mm-hmm. we were all thankful that he wasn't cheating on me that's and love it was oh, all yeah. a big lie yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. fucking someone in the back yeah. of my corolla no he wasn't um and he wasn't so thank god good job nick good job nick and good job team for being positive they helped because i got stressed out and i Mm -hmm. got angry yeah and started doing a lot of Mm self-loathing um in mentally inside of my head and heart so you i think you really powered through and we were here for you yeah you guys really were you came up with solutions and we did it we made it hashtag team asshole Mm oh yeah we do have a text chain um but this i'm really excited about this episode yeah guys it's a long one Mm -hmm, but i think that's what she said Um, but it is worth it (laughs) it is worth it. also what she said oh my god stop or continue forever um yeah so yeah it's am i an asshole for judging religious people part two muslims Mm-hmm. Um, we have a wonderful guest on, mm-hmm. um, Teba. Teba. Wow, mm-hmm. Teba. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's a like the, mm, whatever. Not that I know. Anywho, um, oops. Got listen, distracted. listen, and, and, and enjoy. <laughs> Bye. Great. So, um. Today's question, as we know, is, am I an asshole for judging religion, part two, Muslims? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reli- I mean, religious people. Religious people, yeah. Um, but, yeah. And we, our last one was on um, Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Christianity. And Christianity. And we talked to Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we have Theba. Mm-hmm. Theba. It's not that hard. I don't know why we've been. I mean, it's just been a whole thing. We just can't seem to get right. Yep. Uh, annoying, um, annoying white people. Yeah. And she is a practicing Muslim. Yes. Theba? I hope so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, we know we were connected through Leah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I grew up with. Oh, you grew oh, up with cool. her. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to let you guys know because I've been a student for seventy-five percent of my life. I did my homework and listened to all your episodes. Oh, all? Yeah. 
super caught up and Leah's house was really fucking messy. <laughs> yes. And I just want to get that out there. Yes. Oh my God, thank you so much for listening. Wow, yeah. number one fan. Uh, Let's just talk about that for the next half an hour, shall we? <laughs> How much so, do you like? You guys should quiz me. I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that's so refreshing though. I mean, I feel like, I mean, I love all of our guests, but I feel like a lot of times we're like, can you just read the run of show and just maybe listen to like, 30 seconds of one no because i actually well i wanted to listen to part one and then i just started listening to you guys i will admit there was one episode i didn't listen to and it was the dog one and that's i never had a pet growing up and i don't get it yeah so i just skipped it so i want to be honest gotcha yeah. thank you so much for your transparency yeah, yeah. appreciate that um it's okay donnie doesn't care he's sleeping over there uh, my dog um but okay so you've known leah okay you've known leah like so we went to high school too well we didn't have a middle school seven through 12 but really close in like high school okay. and so i know leah and david like yeah they were at my wedding last year and like we're Aww. super like probably since we we're 15 16 long time awesome okay. and you are um your profession is you are a clinical Therapy. Psychologist. psychologist psychologist amazing okay we got two psychologists on Whoa. one episode yeah well, it's gonna be yeah academic and i have mm-hmm. a feeling rosie and i are gonna be like religion's fun yeah and not know anything <laughs> about anything. Anything. that's why we have you guys yeah we tr- we tried to do our research the best we could um to not sound like idiots but um as i stated before my my kind of take on on religion in general is i just i get it but i don't i don't practice it it doesn't do much for me um mm-hmm. i grew up as you i mean you thankfully listen to the the christianity one i i grew up catholic um i just didn't i connected to it because my grandmother was catholic my dad was catholic but then once i got older i was like I, this just isn't doing much for me and i saw a lot of like problems with it and issues and it, it just feels like as a whole religion can oppress women and i know that's a really blanket statement and that's not always true and that's not always the intent but for me i that's kind of like what i see through my perception and lens so um, I guess we can just dive right in. So you are Muslim. Have you been practicing like Islam your whole life? Like, can you tell us a little bit about yeah. yourself and your relationship yeah. with the religion? Sure. Sure. So I, it's, it's really funny just to be labeled as religious is really funny to me because it's <laughs> such a, like, I don't know, it's such a objective thing. And so kind of thinking about identifying as Muslims. I've identified as Muslim my whole life. I was born Muslim. So my parents are originally from Pakistan and they immigrated to the States in the seventies. So, um, it's, it's always been in my life. Um, mm. but really in different ways. Cause I think with Islam, uh, it's a very open religion. Like you can see, I think it's different than Christianity and Judaism and other religions, because if I go to a bar and I start drinking, someone might be like, Oh, are you not religious? Because Muslims don't drink. Right. Mm-hmm. And, so if I'm have a boyfriend and we're having sex or something, okay, all of a sudden I'm I'm not religious. So I feel like because of the stereotypes and because of some of the rules, um, we really wear our faith like out. Like everybody can kind of see we're not doing, and that's more of a topic of conversation. I think that sets Muslims apart. So just for me personally, I feel connected to the faith, but it's changed. I'm 32 and it's changed over the years a lot. Like how I identify as religion. So I made up my own scale so I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, tell yeah you please about do. That's great. Well, in my head as a first generation American, because I was raised here, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you can be the kind of Muslim. And of course this isn't like for everyone, but you can be the kind of Muslim who is super strict and takes things literally. That would be the most conservative kind. Then you can be the kind of Muslim who doesn't really drink, 
is kind of dress modestly, maybe dates, but for the purposes to get married. Or you can be, you know, the kind of Muslim that drinks, goes out, is totally acclimated to Western society and still identifies as Muslim, but maybe doesn't take all of the lifestyle changes literally. So I would put myself in the middle there somewhere. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But so you, but you do drink? I don't personally. Oh, okay. And okay. for me that that's because I just don't want to, I just don't like the lifestyle of it. I think it started out as a religious thing and then it sort of became like, I don't know how into this, like I in like college and stuff. I was like, Oh, bars are overstimulating. And I was like an old lady that have been, born in different generation, but it it wasn't, it later didn't become so much about religion, but definitely started out that way. I think if I was into the culture of drinking and wine and beer and stuff, I might be into it, but I don't, I don't consider myself super conservative. Like you have to pray five times a day. I don't. Right. Most often I don't, I try to pray like when I can, but like most people who are connected to some faith in a moderate way, you'll pray like when things are super shitty and you're like, yeah. Oh my God, I feel really disconnected from the world. And I want to feel like something's bigger than me. So not to take away from faith, but I find myself very much in the middle and in a faith like Islam, you really, really have to kind of, in my opinion, interpret things with what works with you and your personality. And like, you can take things as like the divine word, or you can kind of moderately understand this book was written a billion years ago. And like, you're not necessarily going to follow everything exactly the way it was revealed. Yeah. Right. Right. That's why I laugh when people are like, Oh, like someone like Leah, who I grew up with, she's like, Oh yeah. yeah. They was like religious because I like didn't drink and we didn't go out. But I think that I kind of got a reputation as that, but I I don't necessarily feel super religious. I guess. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because I feel like naive thought that like if you're a Muslim or practice Islam that you are like dedicated but you can be like just like other Christians where you're like Meh, I pray sometimes and I like do Christmas but like so yeah. that's possible to do that right <laughs> well, awesome. I mean, see like I don't wear hijab I don't cover right. my hair um <clears throat> so there's other ways that like I'm a pretty modest dresser in the sense of like my boobs aren't out I don't wear booty shorts but like mm. I don't that kind of I grew up conservative in the way of like what we wore and that kind of carried that was something I liked like oh okay I like like kind of being a little modest and and that works for me that's kind of my personality anyway so I think you kind of find yourself over the years um in your faith in like what works and and what doesn't but I I would be lying if I said like Islam didn't influence like how I am right now I think it very much did yeah how conservative are your parents so uh my mom passed away three years ago but she raised us thank you and she was super super religious um like my mom it's i grew up in a really interesting household where my mom was really religious and my dad was not like my dad considered himself spiritual so like in ramadan we have to fast 30 days um and i've always observed that i really like the meaning behind kind of that self-control aspect of, of really challenging yourself for a month and kind of abstaining from all of these things and knowing what people less fortunate than you are are like so um she was very very religious so very devout so like read the quran all the time Mm. like prayed five times a day um and i just have one brother who's older and we kind of went in a little bit opposite directions whereas he did things a little bit closer to how my dad did and i interpreted things a little bit um closer to my mom and then over time kind of balanced out and sort of found our own way. But I was raised in a pretty 
I would say a pretty religious household just because Mm -hmm. um, if we didn't pray, like my mom would come in our room and be like, Oh, did you pray today? And like my brother would like sneak cookies and be like, Oh no, I forgot we're fasting. Like, so it was like, (laughs) because it was like, you know, my mom was sort of this Islam police. Um, (laughs) But she had really good intentions in the sense of like, she really, Islam really brought her life balance. And I think she really wanted that for us. And I think that that's one of the biggest struggles of first generation Americans is like, we don't want religion shoved down our throat, especially from an Eastern world. Like Mm -hmm. we don't know how to incorporate it into a Western Mm -hmm. life. Like it's hard. Like I remember growing up and being like, uh, what am I going to do? Be at my friend's house and be like, Oh, I have to go pray. Like, it was hard enough being like, oh, I can't eat pork or, oh, I don't drink. Like there were so many things that we were kind of juggling as kids that, that we didn't celebrate Christmas. Why the fuck don't we get presents? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there was a lot of things going on for us. So I think the household that you grow up in really, really, and you guys talked in your last episode, I mean, it really influences where you land later. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like, for me though, like, cause I understand the, kind of morality behind religion and like that's the part that I do like like I like that you know it teaches you to respect the poor and the hungry and to appreciate what you have and like those types of things you know I do see kind of they coincide with with every religion um I think the part that I get frustrated about is like even and this is again Catholicism like you couldn't go into the Vatican without wearing something over your shoulders or what it's just like that stuff drives me crazy because I understand the modesty, but it just feels so, it feels like so much pressure and it's always against the woman. I mean, I guess I don't see a lot of guys in muscle tees going into churches, but like <laughs> it just frustrates me a little because I, I don't know, maybe there's that, that part of me that it's like the Madonna spirit of like, fuck the cross. <laughs> like, I just want to yeah, like, yeah. I want to be, I want to be able to be sexual and be wh- whoever I am, but you know, also respecting that not all women feel that way but I just feel like culturally if you were brought up that way we're super religious regardless you are going to have those ideals growing up just like naturally and then with Sydney our our uh, super ex-catholic friend um you know there were things that they have to lie about like you you know in order to please your parents or please the religion so then it becomes dishonest and then to me it just negates the whole thing I don't understand I, that's the part that I have yeah. trouble connecting with. I don't know if you. Well, I think that's a. Re- I mean, I think that's a really valid point because I think what happens with religion sometimes is people who are a part of it and people who sort of abide by it. There's no way you can tell me judgment isn't involved. Like that gets sure. created, right? Like right. we start to judge people. Like oh, like a girl's wearing a tank top walking into a mosque. Like oh, who raised her? Like people. Not that I think that, but yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Totally. So I think for me, like what religion has done is it sort of allowed me, I think because I was raised kind of in a more strict or conservative environment, it allowed me to kind of detach from it in college and really find the version that works for me. And Mm -hmm. so for me, like, it's really important for me to have be open and vocal about, you know, LGBTQ like issues Mm -hmm. or talking about, you know, other race issues or things maybe that like, in the Muslim community aren't being talked about a ton um, or even like to fix this perception of like the oppression of women and kind of understand who are the women that are doing things within our culture, within our faith that are strong. And how do we really tease out what's culture and what's faith? Cause that's the biggest issue in Muslim country yeah. right now. 
don't understand um, from a Western perspective, we've got Islamophobia. So in terms of our media, we don't really understand what is directly influenced by the religion of Islam, what is directly influenced by the culture of the country. So um, I think that's a huge, huge downfall when it comes to faith. Totally. Is you can't understand what is actually coming from it because we're now talking about these sort of arbitrary rules that men are making in these countries mm-hmm. because it's, you know, misogyny. it's this patriarch, patriarchal society where men are kind of coming in and creating the rules. I would say it's the same as Congress. you got a bunch of old white men making mm-hmm. laws about abortion. Like it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So when we start to kind of look at the parallels of the East and the West worlds, we're not that far apart. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not that different. It's really just a matter of understanding what truly comes out of the religion versus like how are people practicing it. I think that's, you know, with Islam in particular, that's a big, big, um, like, misconception Mm -hmm. issue that, like, Muslims have to deal with. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And especially in America. Like, I was was reading, and I mean, do do you identify yourself more as a liberal, or are you kind of in the middle? Because I was reading that actually a lot of Muslim Americans do scale on on being liberal versus... Super liberal, yeah. Yeah. I think we we just, I don't know if it's that we have to, or we all come together, (laughs) or what, but, like... You really, in terms, not not to bring it into the open-minded, closed-mindedness, but like really being liberal is like a big part of our society right now as Muslims. Like we've, mm-hmm. we've got to like fight for ourselves, we've got to fight for each other. And like, you know, being on the end of all accepting, yeah, that's pretty important, you know, and really yeah. inclusive. Right, us. right. Because you're yeah. t- talking about like LGBT and, and, right. and <laughs> you know, because I know in, in, that's, you know, that's my other problem with, uh, you know, super, I guess, religious zealots, not calling you one, but I'm just saying in, in right. general, they kind of give religion a bad name because they are so, yeah. you know, they're and so passionate and it, it's screaming hate to me, which to me is the opposite of what, you know, I would think that a religion would be wanting to do. Yeah. And I think like, so in our faith, like we have imams, which are sort of like priests and they, they kind of head the, the masjids or the mosques. And I remember when I was getting married last year, my husband went to, he went to go get like the paperwork done at the mosque and the imam there, like some guy asked my husband, like, Oh, what are you doing? And he, he pointed to the mom and said, Oh, he's marrying, like, he's not marrying me. And then the imam goes, love is love. And we just started laughing. Cause we're like, Oh, it's so cool to hear yeah. a religious leader of Islam. Like who is he actually in Cincinnati, he is out there rallying at protests like going to all of these things like we're talking about women's march we're talking about Mm -hmm. you know gay rights like that's huge to have like a muslim leader involved and it's huge to have any religious leader involved in that so i think evolution is happening i just don't think you're going to have that imam on the news i think you're going to have somebody who is like a terrorist and has and like beat the shit out of someone yeah who's like Like the propaganda kind of yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm not yeah. saying like these things aren't happening. I mean, I think that that's kind of what you have to do as a Muslim in today's society is you it, my biggest thing too. I do this in my research and my writing and my teaching is like, you can't get defensive about the faith. If something is predominantly going on, like we'll maybe talk about honor killings later. If that's going on in the Muslim parts of the world, you have to own that that's going on. Um, we all want to eradicate that in some way and kind of get a hold of it, but you can't get defensive and just say, well, it's going on everywhere. It's not just Muslims. Like you, you have to kind of own that piece of your culture, that faith. And some of that becomes an identity crisis really mm-hmm. in terms of kind of accepting like, oh shit, like this is part of 
like my parents are from Pakistan. So when I travel to Pakistan, it's, it's, it's a culture shock for me, like yeah. to come here. Never, it's not yeah. It's, yeah. Like it's totally, um, not that there's not modern parts of Pakistan. There are, but I, I have to kind of accept this part of like where my parents came from and, and where I'm from. But at the same time, it really is shitty to be stereotyped as like this, like sort of oppressed woman who's like Muslim mm-hmm. and like, and like isn't educated and like can't drive and like it's it's hard to it's hard enough in our society to be a woman today Mm -hmm. so like when you put muslim on top of that um it's a lot to kind of sift through and and you got to be careful not to get defensive about that yeah yeah i actually when you get when you talked about the the rallies too just really quickly give me the chills because i i remember at the march the women's march seeing this huge group of um muslim men I mean, I'm assuming they're Muslim. Sorry for my ignorance if, if they weren't, but they had turbans and they and they were handing out water and cheering and they were supportive. And it was just like it was such a good it just reminded me that you don't see that enough like in our yeah. it, it, on our news and stuff like that. There are obviously so many people in in the muslim faith and community that are supportive and are liberal you know including men like that are like you know um, yeah they had turbans are usually sikhs but like you'll see muslims wear goofies which is like the hat but like i mean you'll see lots of different people from india Pakistan, south asia and and sometimes i mean being from there i can tell but like you don't always know what their faith is and right and and that's that's kind of part of yeah and that's kind of part of but I think to your point is it's very cool to see people from different parts of the country, men and all around to, to be a part of this rally. And like, we don't necessarily think about that. We, we don't think like we have this kind of idea in our brain as to like, who's going to be fighting for women and maybe seeing like a Muslim man doesn't come on your radar because really the stereotype is that Muslim men are the oppressors. Yeah. Yeah. Muslim women and they hate the western world and they don't want them to get educated and we think about the taliban and we think about al-qaeda and osama bin laden so we have a lot of these stereotypes that exist so i think sifting through that and trying to find some strength in people like malala yusufizi i mean like yeah oh my she's god about shermaine obeyed chinoy who's like the first pakistani woman to win uh emmys oscars academy awards like she had that documentary called saving face about um honor honor crimes like the acid throwing and then she had um another one that was particularly about honor killings i think it was uh the girl in the river but you you don't hear about those success stories of you know what women are doing in our culture and that's that's where you've got to spread a little bit of education so that we can understand you know faith isn't this all oppressing thing Right. It can be. Sure, it can be. Any religion can really oppress people. And frankly, a lot of wars and a lot of crazy shit has happened in the name of religion. But can you think about it in terms of a lifestyle? Can you adapt some of those morals that you're talking about, some of the positivity that comes with it, and kind of take those basics and create a life that is positive? To me, that sounds more like a lifestyle. Like right. then religion. Right. So it's not that I wouldn't call myself religious, but as a Muslim, I think I found, I think it's taken me a long time, but I found a good balance to be able to accept my faith and like enjoy it, but also not take things so literally that I'm like tallying, ah, I'm going to go to hell if I do this, or I'm not going to, you know, you've got, you've right. got to have yeah. some 
Yeah. yeah. Um, and wh- one thing that you said kind of stood out to me because, and, and again, I don't want to be annoying and be like, I have Malala's book. So I know everything about like, obviously I don't every day, I it every day, but she obviously I don't cause I, I don't understand turbans. I've really tried mm-hmm. to do like hijab and burqa and I've, I've tried with Malala's <laughs> book and then with, um, like reading up on it, like the underground girls of Kabul, Kabul. I have that book and like I've been trying over the years just to like understand more of what's going on just just so that I, I clearly not much has stuck but um, <laughs> just to understand you know and and have a counter argument to Americans that are you know going right. through Islamophobia and stuff but I have to say with the research does come up some red flags just into not not necessarily super like religious religion oriented but just like the these some of these books and kind of what you said that stood out to me was like you have to accept the the negative parts the parts that you want to work on and like some of those books shed light on to just like the massive oppression of the people over there and how like it's not the religion but the culture like every time it seems like they, they take a you know one step forward and then they have to take 10 steps back because some other terrorist group comes in and occupies the government or some i mean I, I guess I don't know what you had to say about that or like, do you ever, does that get you down? Do you feel, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on that? Yeah. I mean, I think what happens in a country, I mean, I can specifically talk to Pakistan, Afghanistan, like South Asia region. I, th- I think what happens is when something is so Im- deeply embedded in your society and then enabled by your political parties, yeah, it's going to take a fucking long time to kind of undo those things. And so some of the progress that's being made, it's incredible. And if we're taking some steps back, it's because it's a mindset. I mean, it's people who are in the country that have this strong belief that are these extremist groups that are kind of pushing their beliefs on. And if you continue to have people like Malala, you continue to have people, women like Shermin, like putting the message out there and fighting for what's right. If, if the right is women should be educated, girls should have education. Yeah. It's really disheartening to see that schools are being blown up where yeah. and Malala talks about that in her book, like where women are trying to get the education, yeah. they're trying to do that and, and they're being killed for it. And it's sad, but that take-home message shouldn't be like, oh, great, it's like an all-oppressing religion and that country isn't going to get any... Like, the message should be there. Like, how incredible is it that these girls and these women are fighting for it at the cost of their life? Sure. Like, they they have to... And and Pakistan, I mean, Pakistan was established in 47. Like, this is a very young Mm. country. We were part of India for a bazillion years. Like, this this is a very new country. So thinking about all that they're going through and their government and trying to just have some, I guess, a voice, trying to kind of establish their voice. This is something that's going to take a long time, but it's sad to me that we're just not hearing about the voices as much. You right, know? yeah. That, that's, that's but I, I, think, I think that's because they're being silenced. I mean, if you think that you're going to be killed for speaking out, I mean, I, I, I can't blame. I'm not saying that America can't do a better job at, at promoting that. I, I mean, I fully support that, like, there should be more things like that out there. But I think it's easy for us to say over here while we're, you know, just hanging out and not worried about a, a local 
you know, school being bombed. And I'm not saying that's happening everywhere, but like you said, it, it, it does happen. And it's like the extremists are the ones silencing people. So what, how could we possibly, I mean, what would we do about that? It's like, you feel so helpless. Yeah, no, of course. It, and it is a helpless situation at times, but I, I guess what I'm saying is that they may be silencing some of those girls and women, but there's also those who are fighting against it. And we're not really hearing about those stories. Like right. one of the most famous, um, and I don't know how familiar you guys are with Gundil Baloch was a, the most recent honor killing that got really, really high profile case last summer um, in Pakistan. And she was, uh, she was part of an honor killing and her brother killed her and actually oh. called her, um, the Kim Kardashian of Pakistan, like she, she had some racy stuff on social media. And like, she, she actually had what, like, um, Pakistan has like Pakistani idol, which is like American idol. And like, she, like she was on all this stuff. I don't even know the details of like what she was doing, but she was on social media and she had a very strong presence and, you know, some of her pictures could be labeled as risque or whatever. And, she, and like, I think at one point she was with the, like sitting on the lap of like a religious leader and like put a video up and her brother really, um, wanted to restore some type of honor he felt so just kind of disrespected by her and she was killed in horrible horrible murder um about that not from the context of she we never heard that like she was getting out there she was putting herself out there i mean she was she wanted to be a social media star she was supporting her family like she was giving her voice and, and whatever she wanted to wear like there was a lot of courage in what she did but mm -hmm. what we heard that she was like killed by her brother and like some of these it's like it's sad to not hear the story of, of the woman yeah that was behind. yeah the, you know I mean? yeah yeah, yeah. and the positivity behind what she was doing but yeah i guess yeah uh, and i i think we're gonna move move on to jen soon um but i i think my that's part of my problem i guess with religion but i know it's mostly cultural but like that that stuff happens so frequently and that we hear about it a lot. And I think the reason we hear about it is probably American propaganda, but also probably because it happens a lot. And I mean, in crazy Christians, zealots, evangelicals, you know, they ran their car into a rally, you know, um, mm -hmm. with the monument. And so they're killing people too. But right. that, that's my problem is just like what, the fuck like why like it's just crazy to me and i know it's extremism but the fact that there's so many terrorist groups and so many extremist people it just it it really leaves a bad but taste i think that, that also like kind of ties into what we talked about with the catholicism one where it's like it's the people you know not necessarily the religion and the people that like take that the the values and and use it in a terrible way well, totally the the religion that fits in their head that mm -hmm. kind of aligns with their extremist approach so religion is very easy to do that with i think that that's right. and and i can totally understand why i get what you're saying and and i can't i don't think people that are connected to their faith can defend that because right yeah, I mean, Catholics with the priests, like, molesting. It's just like, what the fuck? You know? Yeah. Like, well, yeah, because they're using something that they can stand behind and say, like, well, I can yeah. do this because of this. I, and yeah. I'm going to use the name of X, Y, and Z, which right. is really sort of gives them two feet to stand on. And it's really fucked up, and it's sick, and it's not what religion was intended to be. But at the same time, it's exactly what you guys are saying. I mean, it's the people. People yeah. of culture will make an entire city, entire families, like, good, bad, and different. I mean, you, you got to kind of have some balance in your life. And that's where my psychological training probably comes in to play for me is that like, mm -hmm. you 
got to take things in a balanced way or else you will really do yourself a disservice. Hmm. Yeah. Good segue. Yeah. Psychology. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank yeah. you so much for like sharing all yeah. this too. Um, I'm a chatty Kathy. Sorry. We love you. That's, we love it. And um, so we'll just kind of have uh, Jen come on in this mm-hmm. next segment and she has some questions for you and you guys um, can nerd battle out it together. out. Oh, okay. Nerd out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> not battle. battle. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. And we're back. And we're back. Um, okay. So like we said, um, they're going to battle it out. No, stop saying <laughs> that. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. They're going to nerd out. And are going to um, have, have a chat and, and stuff about um, religion. Yeah, because we got a couple smarties and they'll be mm-hmm. able to, schmarties, they'll be able to talk to each other probably a little bit better than we will. Um, Jen. Hi, Jen. Jen's hi. the therapist. Uh, one of the therapists. Um, <laughs> meet Ava. I think it's like yeah. Theba. Theba. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sound like my mom. I love you, mom, but like she's horrible with stuff like that. Um, okay, so you, you, I mean, Jen, you want to just dive in? Yeah, I just think, first of all, Theba, thank you so much for being part of this. Oh, of course. I really- I'm an avid fan if you haven't heard. I heard, <laughs> I, heard I heard you. <laughs> you listened to a few of the episodes? Good. Um, yeah, so I think just, it's just really nice to, I think, have somebody who is not just well-educated, but also really open to talking about conversations that are, I think, I think there's just a lot of, I think a lot of people have a lot of questions because, you know, as you, and I was listening earlier and I think kind of like, you know, in America, we are given these perceptions and we are we, we, these schemas of how the religion how the muslim religion is and how islam is 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 painted for us and i think people are i guess since probably 9-11 being probably thinking about the muslim thing in the islamic religion i don't know maybe even for the first time i feel like despite being such a large religion um with so many followers 9-11 just brought the entire religion into the forefront for people totally. in such a way. Um, and then from that point, I think people started developing their own schemas about the religion and about the practice. And it's all been in this way of um, pretty negative. And I think that while, as you were saying before, and I, I really, I really liked what you said about how, you know, there are pieces that need to be recognized as needing as either unhelpful or needing work. Um, so there's this other side that's not being reported. And so that's when people, the average person is developing what they, what they think of when they think of somebody who's a Muslim, it is incredibly um, skewed by just what is presented. Um, and so I just think that's worth saying because I think that that leaves a lot of questions though for people. Yeah. You know, because of 
Yeah. And I think that's why we wanted to also have this conversation because like we're all liberal. We're all pretty, I think, educated and understand like what we're talking about. I don't think any of us are Islamophobic or anything. Um, And I think the, you know, especially with the race episode, it's like you don't want to, people are scared to have these conversations. They don't want to be labeled a racist. Like they Mm. don't want to be labeled like that. I hate all religion and I don't understand, you know, I, I hate religious people. Like it's just like, you know, it's very touchy subject. So, um, yeah, I think these conversations need to be had. And that's why like acknowledging something that may need work, but then also shedding positive light onto it is super educational, at least for me. Yeah, and I guess I have questions. So, um, Faba, what you, you mentioned, you kind of, you would identify as like in that moderate range of, of religious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so what, like in what ways have you experienced judgment in your life because of your religion, if at all. Yeah, so judgment, I mean, absolutely has been a huge part of my life. I mean, I grew up in the Midwest as a Muslim American Pakistani, and there weren't very many Muslims, and um, truly, like, post 9-11, I was in, what, 10th? 10th grade, I think, when 9-11 happened, and uh, it, there was a lot of pressure to be Muslim and, and, and to take a vocal stance to say you were against what these terrorists did, which, which is a lot of what we run into now where why do we have to say that we're against ISIS? Like, what is that about? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if you're like a human, <laughs> you probably are against um, all of that killing. And I think the judgment that I came across, I mean, I'll never forget this. I was 15 or 16 um, and a teacher at my school, actually, Leo will probably tell you about this. Mm-hmm. It asked me to speak like that's <laughs> on behalf of Muslims. Like I was, I was like, wait, what? We didn't even have a middle school, it was seven through 12. And there was like a fucking assembly. And they were like, yeah, why don't you just like, go educate people what? and talk about your religion? And I was like, but at the time, I didn't think that that was that crazy. I was like, oh, yeah, I should separate myself from these hijackers and yeah. like tell them that as a child in high school, I am different. Like, so there was so much judgment from the adults and from the kids and from, you know, this expectation to kind of say, I'm not like them. Mm. And that's what 9-11 did. 9-11 put Muslims on the map in the worst possible way. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't ever go back from that. Like, we will never have a time in our life where we get on a plane and we look a certain way and people won't have some thought about it. Like, you can't undo something like that. Mm. Yeah, and I think, mm-hmm. like, you were like, well, why do I have to distinguish myself from the hijackers? And why, you know, obviously I'm not <laughs> for that. And I think, though, what that is is because it speaks to that there isn't the knowledge that, like, Muslims aren't with the hijackers at first. You know, there was this assumption, like, people, not with you, but like people. Yeah. Yeah. That's like mind blowing to me because it's like, yeah. it's a huge faith. And it's like, do, do you have to establish that it's not like a killing one? Like, we're not <laughs> well, one of the ones yes, that promotes But killing? I do think that you do that's have to establish that. I think you do have to establish that. that. Is, right. It, that is what it says is like, you know, that it's the same. Because of, I think, the unfamiliar, maybe just lack of awareness prior to 9-11, no, like, that was the first exposure, I think, for a lot of Yeah, especially oh, when, I you, mean, yeah, when you're talking about dumb rednecks and stuff, I mean, well. Well, sorry. I mean, for sure, like, in, I mean, 
for sure in the Midwest, I can, yes, I can see yes. that, like growing up like Kentucky, Ohio, like there were not a lot of people that knew Muslims, Islam, Islamists. Oh, people that practice Islam are called Muslims. I mean, there was the level of ignorance was high yeah. and the level of exposure was low. And, you know, we didn't even have a mosque. I mean, we prayed in like this little house when I was growing up and then now we have some huge like there's three, three or four masjids now in Cincinnati and like the population has grown. But at the time, uh, we're talking like 2000 from the nineties all the way to like 2002, three, there weren't that many Muslims. And so I think that there was a high level of ignorance, but it also was terrible to be put in a position to like advocate for your faith and your culture, just like we have to do for our gender. Like it's hard to be that resident expert all the time yeah. everything i do like when i'm with my friends and stuff like i remember post 9 11 being like oh i shouldn't say that or i shouldn't do that because then they'll think all muslims do that that's a heavy thing for a 16 year old kid to carry around absolutely yeah and i think that's also like you know that stereotype threat piece that absolutely. You know, we both studied in school where right. like when you know that people are forming stereotypes about you sure. it's like you feel the pressure to not fit that stereotype, which then just puts all the psychological just like stress on the situation. And it's oh. a lot of weight to carry, especially yeah, as a 16 year old. And, you know, I mean, that's a, and, and I think the message you were sent was really powerful. That was a, like, you suddenly, it seems were like, whether you were able to parse it out at the time, it's like, okay, there isn't a lot of knowledge about, your religion there there is a lot of ignorance there's a lot of prejudice that it's all this just flooding in at once and i mean i can just imagine that being pretty, pretty difficult and it was heavy i mean it was heavy and i think that like and i teach stigma and prejudice at the university of Cincinnati. And one of the things i always do with my students is we kind of talk about the the thing that's so funny is when I start the class out, I always say, like, everybody calm down because your job in this class isn't to say, like, I'm not prejudiced. I'm not racist. I'm <laughs> yeah, racist. Yeah. That's, how, that's how everybody starts the class is like, like, I've got to write this journal and this paper. And I like, you know, I don't think like that. And, and I think to embrace some of the things we do think that are negative, that's where we're going to grow. Yeah. Like, it's okay to be yeah. like, yeah, I'm biased. Yeah. I'm just, and, yeah. and we know yeah. that psychology, like those biases exist for a reason. Like, and let's kind of tease that out. Let's talk about that. I mean, your race episode, I think you guys had Edgar mm-hmm. Mont, I can't Mont- say his name. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> so like because of that episode, I started listening to Against the Green, which I love now. That and I'm like okay. a huge fan of that podcast. But that episode was really like you guys kind of talked about some really difficult race issues that, you know, you might say like, oh, as a white female, I don't know if I have the right to say this, or I don't know, like I get stereotyped as this. And I think that we all have those moments in our faith and our culture and our race and our gender where we have to kind of take that extra step and say, yeah, I think these things and it's happened and let's talk about it. Like, let's figure out why, because we're all going to be stuck in this stagnant space. Yeah. And I think especially for, for, people who who practice the religion they're not ex- like they're like you they practice the religion but they're not super you know they're not extreme one way or the other it has to be extra hard because for me I can say oh I'm not Catholic anymore those priests <laughs> molesting not my not my thing I don't I wash my hands of that and so like but if you're really passionate about your religion and you you know that's the way you practice you have to run, constantly run into these issues yeah 
Well, in the privilege there with being Christian, right? Because it's what people are familiar with. It's the, it's, it's the privileged religion in our country. You don't have to say, yeah, I was raised Catholic, but I don't agree. I don't agree with the priest molesting. <laughs> right, 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 right. right. It's a That's a very assumed thing. Yeah. And like for us, we have to kind of really just kind of tease out like the parts that we agree with and the part that we don't agree with. And I think the issue with that is the lack of education and what the faith says. I wouldn't have to defend that Islam doesn't promote killing if people could understand that it fucking doesn't. People that are Muslim killed. <laughs> the faith is saying, go kill people in the name of Allah. And so I think like mm-hmm. the thing that we really have to kind of work on is having a foundational understanding of what the faith says. And I, and, and the biggest I think challenge I have in academic publishing or writing about honor, honor killings, Muslim is I can't be a Muslim clinician researcher. That's like defending my faith. Like I almost feel like I'm losing credibility in that sense of I've got to write about the facts and I've got to write about what's going on. That's why I talk about taking some of that ownership and understanding what's going on. Like, you have to educate people in a way where they understand what's culture and what's religion. That's most relevant in Islam. I'm not saying it doesn't happen in other countries, but you don't have 38 Muslim countries that all practicing like Turkey looks different than Jordan looks different than Pakistan looks different right. than Saudi. Like you don't have that in other faiths. Like it's not as um, prevalent, I don't think. And so that's really where you've got to just kind of get some movement in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And I also just want to say this from earlier that I think that like, it's interesting because we're talking about like rednecks not understanding this, but like I'm from Seattle. I didn't understand. I mean, I didn't think all Muslims were murderers, but like I also like didn't take the time to think about it. Like, and I think that's why like, I, I don't know. I feel like that yeah. like as like liberals, we can be like, oh, well like those crazy rednecks didn't understand, but like I didn't, I didn't take the time to understand. You know, I think it's like, it's and and, and I think it sucks that it's like, I'm learning this right now that like that because of 9-11, that's why we all think that way. Like, I didn't even realize that. Like, because I had friends mm-hmm. who were, um, I'm not actually sure exactly what religion they were, but they're, um, you know, growing up, I think that they're from, parents were from India, so I'm not sure what the religion was. But like, I didn't even think about their religion at all until something really bad happened. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I just meant, I'm from Florida. And oh, I just heard those, like, people were like, you gotta freaking kill all the Muslims. I'm like, shut up. We don't get that exposure from our life experience and if you grow up in a place like new york city you grow up in jersey you grow up like where you're surrounded you're going to high school college with muslims you're going to just naturally know more about them you're going to be like oh they use yourself to go there oh they're not eating today you're just going to naturally know right yes and i think that whole redneck like site or whatever i mean where i grew up in cincinnati i mean that like story if we have time about it later about my accountant hating muslims but (laughs) we we really like had to kind of make a name for ourselves and and the defense and just kind of like live our life out there to not get associated with the hijackers or 9-11 and and that's different in bigger cities i think islamophobia existed everywhere but in those smaller areas where there weren't a lot of muslims that's where the pressure situations i think occurred more i want to ask jen like for all the people that are afraid of islam like I mean, is that just like, why do people do that? Is it because they, they have the schemas? Like, Yes, yeah. our brains have shortcuts. And yes, those shortcuts are on schemas. And schemas are based on what our, our, our life and also the things that we see and the things that we hear. Yeah, I mean, and, just, yeah. And, not and ju- so, it's not just rednecks thinking that. 
like well, I mean, we all do. And I mean, you can take it to just something very simple. I mean, you see, I mean, this is kind of a stupid example, but you see a, even a car that's shaped a certain way or looks a certain, you know, like it triggers like, oh, that's going to be a fast sports car um, versus another car that might not look that way. And you, you can kind of make predeterminations about that car. But if you don't really like look under the hood and see what's in the engine, it might have a different engine than you suspected and therefore not operate and run the same way. But most of the time it will. Right. I'm never going to judge a car again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Taylor. Well, yeah. And also just having that exposure. I just like my friend Mo, like I remember because his family's from Egypt and he he's Muslim. And I was like asking about his family, like about his like I was like, oh, can your aunt drive over there? Like I just, and it's like it's, it's ignorant. And he was like, yeah, they can she can drive. And I'm like, oh, and he just talked to me about like Egypt and, you know, kind of what you were saying, like that, that it's not all monolithic over there. It's not like it, it they they cultures practice different things different elements and like that like enlightened me I was like oh sure but if I hadn't had that friend I would have had to do a little more research on my own about cars mm-hmm. <laughs> um okay you guys want to ju- did did you guys have questions for each other and yeah. I want to hear about your story Deva oh yeah yeah definitely I I, I did want to kind of get into like where what you would say Deva to people who's because there's this this perception that I have heard um, and it's that killing is part of the relig- like the jihad and the you know what is can you just shed light on that and why if that's true yeah. it's true like what's the deal with that because I think that's where killing being part of the religion comes in and I don't know that people are understanding it properly I, I just don't know Yeah, so I think, like, jihad is, like, defined really as, like, a struggle or a fight. And so, like, oftentimes in Islam, we talk about, like, the internal jihad that we have of, like, people will internalize, like, how they are with their faith. And I'm no expert on the religion, and I'm no expert on the Quran, but I think what gets kind of twisted is misconception of islam is that like our entire goal is to conquer the non-muslim world like we want everyone to be muslim or die if you're not muslim like that that's the whole thing and so when killing when you start talking about suicide bombing you start talking about jihads it's because you've got these extremist groups that are brainwashing people to say you know if you don't think the way i think or you don't do what i do um i'm gonna kill you or you know kind of manipulating things like it's it's a very difficult it's a very difficult argument to have because we, this really, really blows me away. But when young white kids shoot up schools, it's about mental health. When Muslims have like violent acts, it's because it's the faith. Mm. Like, Mm. so it's like, why are we totally neglecting that mental health is involved in any of this? Like, is it not relevant to kind of think about somebody who has lived in an environment that promotes violence their whole life they're going to grow up like and have these tendencies like how are we just like forgetting this whole piece so uh, Mm -hmm. to me like the stereotype is a very easy shortcut it's it's a very easy thing to say like oh jihad promotes killing a religion um that has so many commonalities with christianity and judaism is not a faith that is different because we're violent i think historically every religion has been violent in trying to gain land or gain followers or whatever. I I mean, I think violence has existed all over the place, 
But I think what we're bringing into this century or what's happened with Islam, particularly in America, is very, very violent. Therefore, Islam is now associated with having a foundational value of violence. Mm. That's what sets it apart. And it's really unfortunate because um, not what the faith is about, but yeah, people can use that to get their message across. People can use that violence and say, well, of course it is. Like, I'm going to be violent in the name of my religion and God will reward me with uh, heaven or whatever the case. So I don't know if that answer is like the jihad portion, but to me, um, I've always interpreted it as um, jihad has happened in some of the Islamic like battles historically, like earlier in history of Islam trying to... Um, conquer different cities and and that was you know violent but the internal jihad of muslims currently is how do we be how, how do we carry out this faith that's how i interpret it there's also the political sure. matching too so it's almost it's like theocratic societies so not only do you have like in america we do have a separation of church and state so you know christian christian law is not is not what dictates the law of the land. Whereas over in the Middle East, you have a lot of um, you have the theocracies where you have like punishable. There's there's corporal punishment for not following um, some very extreme ends, right? Of of the spirit. right. So you have like Sharia law, which is the right. Islamic law, but you also have so many different levels of Sharia law that like have become man-made laws now that were not like necessarily like revealed or written in the way that they are. But like mm. we get compared to countries like, like a country like Pakistan compared to a country like Saudi Arabia, where they'll cut your hand off for stealing or women can't drive, or, you know, they have to wear burqas or they have to wear hijabs or, or these are kind of laws that is not, that is not <laughs> what's written. Like that is not how, things came to be again you have this interpretation of what should happen and then you have people executing it in that way you have a culture now you have a country now you have a political leader who is enabling that promoting that creating that so it's tough um to sit and, and kind of watch how islam is being portrayed in a certain way because i think um every faith has their downfall i don't know maybe in my opinion, faith in general, like people can take it for what it is and, and kind of interpret it in a way that works for them, or they can take it to an extreme sense. And, and that's going to cause a lot of problems in the country and your families and you're just, et cetera. Like, I don't think faith is meant to be taken that this is my opinion. I don't think faith is meant to be taken literally. And I think that that's what happened. We don't talk about this a lot, but my husband's from Syria. And so he's, Pakistan so I'm South Asian and when we got married it was so it was such a mind fuck to be like oh wait do you do this and he's like no and I was like oh do, wait do you do it like this do you do it like that because so many things I grew up thinking were religious but they were actually cultural mm -hmm. like I remember when I was little like my parents just like didn't want us to have pets so like I'm pretty sure somewhere along the lines someone told me like it's against our religion to have a dog or it's against our religion to have a cat. And then later I grew up and I was like, wait, the prophet that Muhammad had a cat. What? What is going on in the world? Yeah. And so I also think you have people using the religion to be like, 
the boogeyman <laughs> and like yeah. our parents like tell us shit and then we grow up and we're like oh okay you also have to remember that like the quran was revealed in arabic right and so when we were kids like we were taught how to read and write arabic i don't understand arabic like i, I speak urdu and i speak hindi but i don't speak arabic so when you have a religious book or a religious text and you take it to a land like afghanistan pakistan india you're translating it to another language and now you've got this entire sect of people that are carrying out a religion in in a language that it wasn't revealed so now you have the people in the middle east are doing things differently than people in pakistan that are doing different differently than people who converted so there's just like a lot of facets i think yeah. a lot of layers to why things have been carried out the way they have I, I yeah. really, really quickly, Jen, sorry. I get, I, that's, see, that's just where I do still get a little confused because I'm like, okay, I understand. I know there's like an extreme version and then there's the, it, people are taking it literally and some of them take it their own path and have it be an extremist point of view. But then there's also even, even in my opinion for religion, like even on the more moderate scale, like even the uh, hijab and the burqa, like it still symbolizes oppression for me personally. Like, cause it's just like, it's still, you're, you're, even if it's a more moderate stance, it's for modesty, it's to cover up. But to me, it still is somehow oppressive. I don't know why, but it's like for men to not be tempted or to have their gaze. I, I'm curious, like your thoughts on that, why you don't wear them or if you do yeah. sometimes like th I that's where I just get frustrated with religion in, in general, because I'm like, why can't I still be a good person and wear whatever the fuck I want? Right. Well, and I don't think it equates to, I mean, for me, like, uh, if that was Akita Assam, then I guess shit out of luck because I don't wear hijab. But I think that for people who wear it, I mean, I've talked to women who they feel very empowered by wearing it. Like, it's a choice to cover their hair. And it's not all the time. It's like, it's just something... I also have, have had friends who have started to wear hijab as teenagers and then stopped as adults and then started later. And my personal thoughts on that is like, I never connected to the idea. Um, I was very, I felt very lucky in the fact that I was raised um, by my mom or my, my parents, but my mom who also didn't wear hijab and came from a super religious family. And, and she gave me that choice. And she really said, Hey, like, this is something that a lot of Muslims do. Like it's great modesty you can cover your hair, but that doesn't make you a good Muslim. And that doesn't make you a bad Muslim. So think about it and, and kind of choose, you know, if that's something that you want to do. And for me, like you cover your hair when you pray. And like, to me that that was, that was enough. Like I, I didn't identify mm -hmm. with Part of my like day-to-day -day life and that doesn't mean that like I don't feel like super slutty out in the world with my hair out but I feel <laughs> like it's not uh it's not an idea and I I actually struggled with it a lot I remember in college I was just like oh I'm gonna do it and I like wore it for a day to like key food and I was like fuck the I can't do it <laughs> it like fell off in aisle 12 and I was like okay I can't do this but it, it wasn't it's not I have a lot of respect for people who do it because I feel like they in my I guess in the group that I'm in and like in my life experience like it's always been a choice like, mm -hmm. I haven't met people like this whole idea of this oppressive, like my dad made me do it and I have to cover my hair. Or I'm not allowed, like boys aren't allowed to look at me. That's not what was going on in our community. In our community, it was like, hey, is this part of like, this is, you know, this can be part of your faith if you so choose. Like, 
you know, kind of right. think about it and make that decision. Yeah. Just like in Catholicism, and, where it's like, the, you're not supposed to get divorced if you're Catholic, but like, if your husband's beating you, Go you ahead. probably should. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's, that's not the same comparison. I don't know where I was going with that. But I guess just like, you know, you, yeah. you, you do what's right for you. Right. Well, I think, I didn't mean I to guess- compare the hair, the... <laughs> <laughs> job and burka to to no, domestic saying, abuse no, by the way were, but you yes you but why not because you were kind of saying is it like something that's oppressive and that like your your dad is saying you have like to that do you're it. allowed to do or not allowed to do so yeah right. i get you're saying like the permission situation. Right. yeah yeah oh, thanks <laughs> <laughs> i think that there's this though in the world I, I guess i'm questioning like i think that's definitely at least my friends here uh, who are muslim they they say the same exact thing that you do and there's this piece outside of America in the Middle East where I believe, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that there, that women are punished for not following that. Yeah, like, so places like Saudi, like you have certain countries that will enforce doing it. But that, again, that's, you've got a political part, like you've got yeah. leaders saying, hey, if you can't drive, you have to cover your hair, you can't get educated. Like these are things that are they have to be sifted out through what's religion and what's not. And unfortunately, like, unless you level of education or understand or give a fuck, to be honest, like to study it, um, you won't really know a lot of those things because when we're watching the news, that's what we're seeing. Like, Oh, look at like, like to eat for you, like to ask your friend Mo, like, Oh, does your aunt drive? Like that, like, that kind of speaks volumes to like maybe what your understanding of women in Egypt were, or maybe you had that, you know, that assumption and I'm not judging. I'm saying that okay. assumption came from somewhere, right? Yeah. Like that. Yeah. And then when that was in, you were like, Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. It's probably just like here, like, okay. But you wouldn't know that because whatever. So like the schemas that Jen's talking about, like somewhere along the lines in your education, in your friend group, in the news, something was, promoted in the sense of women do not have rights muslim women mm-hmm. you didn't think about was it egypt was it saudi was it jordan right. You'd, right so that association now becomes with the religion not with the culture mm-hmm. mm. and i think that political piece is so important and so relevant because that's where the bastardization happens mm-hmm. because it takes away the rights of the people to decide where they fall on the spectrum and it forces people into the more extreme part of the spectrum is how is how I'm kind of seeing it's, it is. And I think we just have to remember, like, we're living in a country where Donald Trump is president. Oh, so God. if somebody was to, yeah, I just want to remind, in case you guys forgot. I <laughs> oh, I did. No. But, like, if somebody came into our country and assumed we all like him, what? Right. Right. So yeah. We look at the political leaders and we assume that everyone in this country thinks like that. Mm-hmm. Stop and say, wow, can we be judged by our leader? I sure as shit hope not yeah. for us here. Like that's, that's a heavy, heavy assumption. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think with that assumption, right? Like with, with the, pol- again, the political piece, the corporal punishment that happens when people don't follow the extreme is, not allowing for us to understand how many people would not live that extreme on that extreme end of the spectrum if that corporal punishment piece weren't there. So I don't know if that makes sense. Like I think when people are 
when people are being forced to live a certain way out of fear of losing their life or, you know, being maimed or, or hurt in some massive way, these people are living that way as a protective measure because there is political, there are political laws in place that don't allow them to live otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I equate it with like, I mean, look at our movement of Black Lives Matter. I mean, don't you think like young black men, like when, when they have run-ins with the police, like, don't you think like we have to conform in a certain way so like they don't get killed? Like, don't we have to kind of adjust to what our current climate is in our society? Like, well, and that's scared at some point, right? Like in our country mm -hmm. and have to kind of think about what that says about the climate of the country, not what that says about the religion or what that says about the people, but like, this is like, this is a climate that's going on in those countries. Yeah. And it's, and it's so intertwined in, in the Middle East, that if like, we don't know, I mean, in the late seventies, I think is when a major shift happened in Iran where it, it was a shift to be more conservative and to go to that more conservative end of the spectrum. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that without those massively, um, with the laws that are in place, it prevents us from being able to see how the individual people would prefer to live. So it creates mm. this image that the people are living that way because they want to live that way. And Muslims live that way because that's how they are. And I put that in quotes. Mm -hmm. or um, as opposed to maybe thinking that they're practicing this thing and they're living this way, there is threat of death from from the government. Extreme. And, and I think that that's, and I, personally, I think that that's where the art and that's where that creativity brings all of these issues to light. Like you have a country like Pakistan that has, like after Kandil Baloch was murdered, like there's actually like, we call so was dramas but there's like this drama called Bagi and they're showing it right now and it's her life story and like to have a country like Pakistan that's like showing this woman's life and how she died and how tragic it was and that it was wrong like you've got their media pushing the limits and saying yeah I might live here but I don't agree with what's going on like mm -hmm. you've got music you've got movies you've got shows like you've got people taking the form of art and trying to get their message out here which is cross-cultural we do that in every country and so to not know that oh i'm gonna assume like this is how people want to live you have to care about like what other messages are out there like you have to kind of look to see what's happening in those parts of the world and if and if you're a little bit connected you wouldn't make that assumption because you would see the other sides of those coins in my opinion and I think I think to assume that people are living that way because they want to live that way. I mean, that's now that I'm saying, and I'm actually just thinking about this as I'm speaking to you. So, but like, I think it's it's um, you know when you have this us versus them mentality, it's easy to have this like, well, they want to live in a barbaric way, as some may call you know, which I would describe. I mean, I would describe some of the stuff that I've heard as barbaric. So, oh, yeah, you know, and then, but then when I step back, it's like, well, why are people, why are people doing that? Why are people living this way? And it's like, well, you know, with the threat of death and the threat of really horrible things happening, I, I just don't, I guess the individual people, I, I'm not, I, I think it's easy to think, well, they're living this way because they want to live this way because we live in America and we don't have that we don't have that experience yet. 
of fear of our government coming in and making us look not yet not yet we don't but like that's why i would argue like what if somebody came into our country and say wow like do young Black men want to be killed by police officers? Like, do they want to live in fear? Like, oh, do like, you know, the school shootings that happen, like, do these kids, like, are we okay with that? Do we promote that as a country? Like, no, because we can't blame all of the white officers that killed black men as like being Christian and like blaming it on their religion. We can't do that. Yeah. Hmm. We just can't, right? We don't. And even when somebody does identify as part of their faith, we don't use that here. Mm -hmm. So I think like, the biggest difference is being able to find some parallel of what's going on in the world and, and trying to understand it's not us versus them. Like we are all facing difficulty in our political climate with race, with religion, socioeconomic status, but you've got to kind of educate yourself in a way that doesn't detach you so far. This is the whole, I'm not racist. This is a whole colorblind thing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that's not me. I'm not prejudiced. No, like get in there and like understand what's going on in your own world first. Understand what's going on in your own country. Because when you see the deficits and you see the issues going on here, you're going to be a hell of a lot less judgmental mm-hmm. looking at part of the world. And you're going to start to connect and say, well, we kind of experienced that in this way. That doesn't make it right or wrong. It doesn't justify what's going on. I'm not saying like what's going on here is just as bad. It, the point is we've got to have some human relation, I think. And I think that's what gets missed a lot. And I think because at least people, like I hear things like, and, and, you know, at first blush, they're not such, like, it makes me think. So things like, well, you know, there's all this Islamophobia right now. And, and supposedly the answer now is, is religious testing or preventing, you know, certain religions from entering our country. Okay. That's, that's another topic. And, um, I don't agree with that, but I think if I really try to understand the other side of where somebody who agrees with that is coming from, right, I might think, well, you know, I don't want, I don't want it to become the norm for women to have to be, you know, wearing burkas, for example. And I know that's an extreme. I know that's well, and Jewish women have to cover their hair too. But but I think the the fear there's a fear uh, extreme that, Jewish sorry well if that, if that extremism comes over that that's going to be imp- like imported in a way to America and then that's going to, to become almost normalized and then as as things normalized it's less likely for that oppression to be recognized as oppression and then things degenerate backwards right. And as I'm having this conversation, I'm realizing that perhaps, as I was saying before, the people are living that way is not so much because they want to live that way, but rather their government is forcing them to live that way. And it's an assumption that they would live that way here in America. Does that, A, does that make sense? And B, what are your thoughts on that? Because I've heard that. I've heard I've heard that in just conversations. I've had with other people. Well, I do. I mean, I think it's a it's a really hard thing to know how anybody would live if they didn't live where they live. If that makes sense, right? Yeah, we would never really know. Like, if I was just like in France, like, would I like? I don't know. Walk around with a baguette. I I I smoke (laughs) cigarettes all day. (laughs) I mean, you just don't know. And so, I think like people that would come from that was a stereotype on France. I (laughs) got it. Love any of your French um, viewers. (laughs) for listeners. So um, if somebody was to wear a burqa or a hijab and come 
live in the United States and it was their choice to wear a hijab or a burqa, we have to be open to the idea that it's not oppressive. That's the first judgment. That's the first bias that we have to kind mm. of really look into is that like, we can't look at that as this is this horrible oppressive thing. And like, she can't even show her hair or her face when it may be a choice. Like, so we first need to like understand like, which could be an entirely other episode of, of, you know, what it means to wear the hijab. But, um, we have to let go a little bit of that stereotype. And I think they may live differently if it's not their choice and they come to the United States and they have some freedom. Wouldn't any of us, like if we're not allowed to wear shorts in Europe and then we come here and we can, and it's really hot outside, maybe we will. Right. That's like a dumb example, but we don't really know how people are going to live, but we can't equate the faith and what people choose to do as part of the faith as oppressive. It's different to say somebody wearing a hijab is oppressive than, than not allowing women to get education is oppressive. One is very black and white and one is gray. Mm-hmm. That's, what, and, that's that's what I believe. And how do you how do you reconcile like understanding what what a person's choice actually is? Like in the sense of like if I'm going to experience and forget the extreme, forget the extreme stuff of like being killed, okay? But more of like the subtle nuance of social um you know, social repercussions for not dressing or acting a certain way how how do you parse that out like of what really is a choice like if I'm going to be you know less desirable for a mate than you know marriage and things like that which are all cultural pieces and I'm sort of just making those up um just as examples of how if I feel there's going to be a repercussion in an area of my life that's going to affect the rest of my life and possibly my happiness how much of a like how how much of a choice is it Right. Yeah, I guess that's my I think I guess systemically like that comes down to like your family structure, right? Like that comes down to how you're raised and what the culture of your home is. And so like if you have a family, like I mean, I can use myself for an example. My mom like uh don't go out and drink or don't wear short skirts or whatever and like that might people may look at our family and think we're that kind of family. Don't do that. That to me is cross-cultural because all of us have had in some sense or another, like some expectation of our parents to say, do this and don't do this. Right. We curfews is pretty cultural and like, like dyeing your hair when you're a kid or when girls start wearing makeup or, you know, when guys like any of us start like dating or going out. So like the social aspect of it to me is one of the things that we can all connect on. Because I think socially, we all have family members and we all have situations where someone might be worried how someone looks and what the repercussions are in our society. If I wore a short skirt, I wasn't going to get honor killed. Right. Mm-hmm. Mentality in our family. And like when you look at it statistically in the United States, it's, it's not a commonality of a type of thought or a school of thought or framework that really is here is something that's ingrained in your society so when we look at countries like Pakistan and we look at kind of what's happening in the villages and, and what lack of education and lack of resources and everything that's going on it's different so I reconcile that social piece by connecting with my friends and connecting with people and saying like man like this was really hard we may have totally different issues but on some level we connect because it's some expectation from someone I think we can all connect yeah on that. yeah and I think there is some oppression in 
in a way women dressing super like sexual and sexualizing their, themselves like is that really freedom I mean there's kind of like a question of 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 that to at least I have to where it's like th- those are your personal kind of opinions you know what I mean mm-hmm. I mean it's, it may be based off of your culture or your family like you were saying but it's also like a personal choice like if I were going to meet my partner's family I, pro- I probably wouldn't want to wear a tiny mini skirt and like my boobs out just because you know but um, but it's also what, you, what I heard was also it's, it's oppressive to feel like you have to wear makeup or feel like you have to dress like yeah. a woman and be pretty and be skinny and blah 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 so. and, and have your tits out in order to get a mate or whatever I don't like the word tits and I don't know why I, I love I the word it. tits actually <laughs> um, <laughs> we do have to wrap it up here real quick is there any final thoughts any final thoughts uh, Theba did you tell your story Jen did you I didn't okay wait Jen did that answer your question though it did it did answer my question and I think I, I feel like it's also worth noting that it is such a great area. And I just really appreciate the conversation because um, it is a really great area that, you know, it's like as, as a, as a feminist and as a woman, it's like, I want women to wear what they want and be how they want. Don't want there to be like a promotion of something that isn't healthy, you know? And, and I think what's, in my sort of exploration, you said earlier, you know, you're, you spent 75% of your life in school or whatever. And I, you know, I do, I research as well. And, and so in preparation of this, I was researching a lot um, to try to understand different sides. One thing that I came across that really was eye-opening for me, and I think it's worth mentioning, is just that the cultural pieces, and that includes the way people dress and the way people present themselves, allowed to present themselves in a way that is representative of their culture that can be distressing to a person and it's it's important for a person to feel that they can identify with their culture um and not be punished for that or judged yeah. um because it's a real culture you're really protective for somebody um it can be very protective for somebody and so i just think that balance in that conversation is is really interesting and I think it's something that hopefully people continue to just at least think about um, before coming to like these massive conclusions. Yeah, I think it's how we, and really quickly, like I think if I wear a hijab and feel like I'm labeled as oppressed and then, but then I start dressing like Kim Kardashian and like now I'm, now I'm labeled as like somebody with freedom. I don't think that that's black and white, right? Like, I don't think that, like, I don't equate like, more skin or the type of clothes you wear is like freedom. It's like you guys said, like we should be able to dress how we dress. Like as a woman, I don't think about that in terms of religion. I think about that as in terms of like a woman, like what does that say? Like my self-esteem, my self-worth, like, you mm-hmm. know, what, what feels okay to me that may be influenced by culture, social media, like whatever is going on in the world, religion, but ultimately like we make those choices for ourselves. And, and so I think like, if I could get any message across, it's like, you know, let's be careful to not label people who a certain way as oppressed or have freedom or, you know, like we just don't know the choices as to why they made those choices to dress the way they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's easy to put those Western values, like you said, onto a person. Right. And maybe that's not what they're experiencing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, um, okay, wait, I want to hear, well, thank you so much, both of you, for for everything that you said. Um, I think this has been like a really eye-opening conversation for me, which feel makes me feel like a piece of shit that like I was like oh my god I've learned so much about something that I just decided not to pay attention to like for a long time I mean I know I sat back and was just like I'm sure everybody who's Muslim is fine and I have Muslim friends and it's you know good but I didn't ever take the time to really understand it and so I really thank you Taba for like you know opening my mind and I feel like an idiot for not have knowing it for not knowing it before this so thank you you're not an idiot Thank you. Oh my God. I just wanted her to say that. Um, um, also, uh, can you just tell your story? Is it, is it fast? Um, I can do it fast. Okay. Uh, so my, so I went to get my taxes done in Natty and it was like last year. And so my husband had moved to Cincinnati for a year, originally from New Jersey. And so we went to go get our taxes done and I called and I had never met this woman and she uh, she wasn't originally doing my taxes with this other dude named Rick. And if you're listening, Rick, uh, <laughs> fucking hate your tax company. But, um, so basically they, I forgot a form. So I called and surely mm-hmm. if you're listening, surely you're fucking, I don't even, this, yeah. this story's about Shirley. I don't want to <laughs> get heated, but it's about Shirley. Great. Um, so Shirley, I, she says, uh, hi, what do you need? And I said, you know, I need to add a form. Can you just tell Rick not to file the taxes right away? And she said, can you spell your name? So I spelled my name and she goes, oh, uh, you need to spell that again. And I said, okay, yeah, it's a tough name, Baba. So I said, T-A-Y-E-B-A. And then she goes, that looks made up. That doesn't even look right. And I was like, okay, um, well, can you just like get this message? And she goes, I... I have just like never seen a name like that. I said, okay, yeah, it's his name. Like, can you get this fucking message to Rick? Yeah. <laughs> That's my and name. All right. She, she, I can't even believe this happened. She goes, you must be on one of those lists of countries that Donald Trump put out because I've never heard such a name. And I bet you have a lot to say about that. Oh, was her was Shirley's actual sentence to me. And I said, listen, Shirley, I need you to get this message to Rick. And I'm really not going to talk to you about my sociopolitical views right now. And she said, I just think that Trump has a lot to say about people like you with names like yours. Oh, my God. End of that situation. Uh, oh, fuck Shirley. Rick called me and was like, I'm really sorry she's old. And I was like, what the fuck? Like that, you don't say things like that because you're old. Like she, like I thought she was a receptionist. She's an actual accountant Ugh. who works with humans. Ugh. Wow. So needless to say, Shirley got fired. Good. But, oh, good. Really? It was just really awkward. Rick like called me and was just like, "Hey, do you think she could learn, or should I let her go?" And I was like, "Why am I making this decision? Why is oh this my God. Yeah. Like, I don't." I was like, "Can you just like teach her how to work with people? That'd be awesome." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the thing that came out of the story really quickly was when my husband said, "When you went in there, did did anything happen?" And I said, "Oh, she's like being kind of weird." And he was like, "Why didn't you say anything then? Like what? Like what was going on for you?" And I said. I don't know. I just kind of know my place. 
And I didn't realize I said that. Wow, and then yeah. like, we're getting the fuck out of Cincinnati. You're crazy. Um, you should never think like that because he grew up here. And he was like, why, how do you not see? And here is New like, York. Yeah, yeah. But like, I never thought of Cincinnati as this like super racist place. I mean, post Trump, honestly, it's changed a lot. It's yeah. like my hometown. I love it. But it's, it's, people are super open, but God. Um, yeah, that was nuts. Fuck you, Shirley. Fuck, oh, Shirley. fuck you, Shirley. And also, her name's Shirley. Shirley, yeah. she doesn't want that oh, to be her name. Cool. Right, well, wow, 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 wow. Now, whenever someone says something racist, I'm always like, Shirley, come on. <laughs> yeah. come Shirley, on. you didn't mean that. Yeah. Gross. Oh, um, thank wow. you for everything, you guys. Yeah, this was wonderful. Can't thank you enough for being Thanks so Thanks for having me on. Awesome. I feel so honored as your number one fan. Yes. Who <laughs> didn't oh. even know? Listen, we will give you a shout out in future episodes. Oh, absolutely. You're like, well, I'm not going to listen to it anymore. <laughs> nah, now you're done. Now you're I got done. a few uh, No, it's on my, <laughs> okay, you guys are on my list. Yeah. Okay. God, spread Wait, the you guys need to, you guys need to ask her. Like, you ask her. I mean, is there anything she needs to promote? She's yes. doing research. Okay. Yes. Research is still get promoted. Like, people. Oh, yes. Yes. Sorry. I will plug. Okay. So, my book is coming out. It's called A Paradox of Honor Hopes and Perspectives of Muslim American Women. Uh, it should be out in like 2018, but my website yes. is Um, I'll be writing a piece. Like, your listeners are going to listen to this, but uh, I'm might. writing a piece National Register of Health Psychologists um, on Muslim mental health. Uh, so that should be out in a few months. Um, but I mean, like, whatever. Or just follow me on Instagram. I'm funny. Shake yeah. Seven. I like, like that. See what I do in my spare time. Yeah. Wait, what's your handle? Shake717. Okay. We spell it. S-H-A-I-K-H-717. But this is a lot of pressure because I'm not very funny on Instagram. You just said you were. You were. First of all, you, you are. Yeah, you are. You're hilarious. You're funny. And um, we had just a ball talking to you. Thank you again. Yeah. I not to brag, but I won best sense of humor in high school. Okay, so, so did I. So, so I, I see why. I see why. <laughs> um, yay! Thanks, ladies. Just four ladies, just saving the world. Thanks <laughs> <laughs> right. so much. I think what you do is so awesome. And like, let me know if you ever want me to come back because I would love. It. Yeah, done, yes. done, and done. All right, all right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hey, thank you for listening to Am I an Asshole Part Two of. Am I an asshole for judging religious people? Colon Muslims. Oh, he doesn't want to just say colon. <laughs> um, thank you so much. I have a bubble in my throat. I'm going to do the rest of it with my bubble. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we love you. Please follow us on iTunes. Um, Instagram, Instagram. Like, Instagram, subscribe. Instagram. Hit up some comments. Mm-hmm. Please rate us five stars. Share it. Thank you so much. Um, if you want, if you're an asshole, I still have the bubble. It's okay. so cool. Thank you, Faba, um, for being a wonderful guest. Thank you, John, our producer, for being awesome. Thank you, thank Jen. You, thank you, Jen, our therapist. Thank you, Patrick Jones, for our amazing graphics. Mm-hmm. And um, email us if you want to. Guess what? Our email is am I an asshole? Nope. It's <laughs> am I an a hole podcast at gmail.com. Look out for the next one. Am I an asshole for oversharing with your relatives? Bye. <laughs>